Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Courtney Reisig about feelings. I know we are all navigating so many of them, particularly as we're facing a global pandemic with the continued spread of the coronavirus an economic collapse, and fears over our health or the health of a loved one. This conversation with Courtney will help you bring your emotions to the Lord as an act of faith, trust, and ultimately worship. Courtney, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting. I remember sitting across the table from you at TGCW 18 and thinking, I really want to have Courtney on at some point, and it's been too long, my friend. Yeah, oh, I enjoyed talking to you. We have some, we have mutual friends, so it was totally fun to make those connections. It really, really was, um, and it's been fun to connect with you at a distance through your book, which has been such a blessing to me in this little season right here. We are in some interesting times right now. Nothing anyone could have predicted. Absolutely not. I thought, what better time when we're having all these feelings than to discuss feelings with someone who has thought about it as deeply as yourself. Before we dig in there, I'd love for the listeners to get to hear a little bit from you. You are a mom, you're a wife, you are a pastor's wife, no less, and you're a writer. What am I missing? What do your days look like? I am a wife and a mom. And then we recently, my husband was a pastor elder at a church plant that we were part of, but we recently transitioned out of that. So he is just a lay oh. church member with me now. So. Wow. This is new. Yeah, this is new. This has been about eight months. So probably last okay. time we talked, he was serving in, still in lay capacity because he's a businessman and he was a lay elder pastor at our church. But we are now church members in a much different context and in a larger church context. So we're learning all about being one in a sea of many. But it's been really good. We've enjoyed our time in our new church home. I've loved hearing a little bit about your story, even at a distance. And when you tell your story, you can see why the topic of feelings is something that's near and dear to your heart. So could you just kind of tell me a little bit about how you started to dig into the topic of feelings and how to relate to feelings and all of that on your own journey? I have probably been a feeler since I was born. (laughs) I don't think I can remember a time where I wasn't a deep feeler or where I didn't know how I was feeling about something. And so I remember watching Anne of Green Gables and my parents making fun of me as a child because that was just how I was. I felt life very deeply. So I have, I just tend to have pretty high highs and pretty low lows, uh, which has only grown as I've grown into adulthood. Most of my life, was pretty suffering free. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were really great. And while I didn't become a Christian until college, 
I just have not really had to face death or a whole lot of difficulty up until I got married. And so the Lord really has used suffering in my life to help me to feel life deeply and for life in a different way. And so we um, were married a little over a year when we miscarried our first child and then had two years of infertility after that. I had a lot of a lot of different treatments and surgeries. And so we've been married almost 11 years and our entire marriage has pretty much been filled with some form of medical difficulty, usually related to me, but sometimes related to our children. And so we had twins after our infertility and they were born really prematurely. And so we dealt with that. And then I had another miscarriage and then uh, we had another child and then our kids have had some surgeries in there. And then we, I got pregnant with my fourth son and had, we thought this was probably our last child because four is a decent amount of children. No joke. I had really thought that I had served my time in difficult pregnancies and we thought we were miscarrying him really early on. And I had a had to deal with the whole first trimester pretty much thinking he was, we we're going to lose him. And the Lord did not take him. And so I thought once we got past that, we were fine. And when I... In the middle of that time, I was leading a Bible study through the Psalms and the wisdom books, and I just grew to really love them. I always had liked the Psalms because I have an English degree. I like poetry, and I just gravitate towards emotive type things. Mm -hmm. But doing the Bible study in the Psalms really helped me to see how they all fit together, how uh, they're, they're giving us a language for our emotions, that God has left no stone unturned when it comes to helping us process life in a broken world. And I was really thankful for that time because I didn't know that I would need that foundation. I was 33 weeks pregnant with Ben when uh, my placenta partially erupted. Mm. And oh my I was goodness. The, yeah. So I ended up in the hospital for uh, three weeks with him. Basically every day was, was a life or death situation of wondering if my placenta would fully abrupt that day. They never, they could never tell how bad it was. The pain was kind of the only indicator and how he monitored on the on the mm -hmm. fetal monitor. So every day was he could be born today, he could be born alive today, he could be born dead today, you could live today, you could die today. And we had to get childcare for our children. But basically they woke up in the one morning and we were gone because we had to go in the middle of the night to the hospital. And so our whole life was completely upended in a matter of hours. The only thing I could read in the hospital was the Psalms. And I always thought the hospital bed rest would be kind of a like fun. Because, you know, you get, like, people bring you food. Right, right, right. Someone's taking your trash out. Right. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of nice. But, like, it was everything but that for me. And I hmm. remember I just could, I couldn't focus to read. I couldn't focus on anything except the psalm. I read them probably three times the whole time I was in the hospital. And I journaled them and just journaled through them. And just, I found such kinship in the psalmists because they were people who were walking through life and death situations. They were people who were living in a broken world. And living with the effects of sin and they were crying out to God for deliverance and that was where I was and so that's kind of where I grew to love the Psalms and then thought I would never write another book again and then the Lord kind of opened the doors for that wow. and now we have a book okay well and finish the story Ben's okay Ben lives he's almost three praise so, the Lord yeah yeah he's a tangible reminder to us that God is kind to answer our prayers in the ways that we ask him to sometimes 
you know, I was reading something that you wrote on social media earlier today, actually, about the feelings that you had when you came home from the hospital with Ben Mm -hmm. and how your whole perspective shifted because everything, like you said, for so many weeks was this life or death situation. You really didn't know what was going to happen. And that's really similar to what we're navigating right now with all of the COVID virus that's going, you know, all over the entire world. How did that change your perspective walking into everyday life? I loved how you said it really has stayed with you through the years. It has. It was a really freeing thing. So my second book came out right before I went in the hospital Mm -hmm. and I had to cancel every podcast interview I had scheduled. And so I didn't, I mean, I did as much as I could up till I went in the hospital. It was done. There's so much to be done revolving around a book launch. Yeah. I don't have a baby. And so I'm like, oh, wow, this is all the stuff I would have done probably. Right, right. I had this moment. I remember I went to, a, I spoke at a conference on a panel okay. when Ben was nine weeks old and I took him with me and I remember walking around thinking, and there's nothing wrong with conferences. I love them because I'm an extrovert and I love seeing people at conferences and meeting people. But I remember thinking, I don't, I don't care about any of this. Yeah. It's nothing just like everything's kind matters. of like shifts into perspective. It does. And I think there are, when and, and, and it's such a helpful perspective. There's a book called Remember Death by Matthew McCullough. And hmm. um, he talks, he writes it to people who don't have death awareness. So like people who are young like us who don't, yeah. I was 34. You don't, you don't typically get to wrestle with your mortality when you're 34. But this whole COVID-19 thing that is going on in, in the world is a gift to us. Mm-hmm. Because as hard as it is to have to face the fact that we could get sick at any moment from this virus, we also are able to wrestle with the fact that we're finite and we're mortal and we're living in a broken world. And as Christians, we have, we have hope, but we, we spend so much time living like we're not. And especially for young people, it's a really hard thing to spend the rest of your life with this death awareness, this difficulty of knowing your own mortality. I mean, it's terrifying sometimes because death is the enemy. It's the final enemy. And it's while we do gain Christ, when we die and we get to be with Christ and we get to be with the Lord, we were not supposed to die, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think the angst we feel over death is such a tangible reminder for us that this is not how God intended the world to be. And it's okay to feel that and to feel not afraid of death because you don't know the outcome, but to fear the thing that, that, that Christ calls an enemy and that Christ wept over, over the grave of Lazarus in John 11. Mm. I think these things that while they're terrifying and hard, to walk through as a, as a, as a nation, but also as the world, they're also for Christians an incredible gift to us to remind us that we we all will one day, all of us, not even Christians, will one day have to face our own mortality. And I hope that it shapes us and makes us more humble and makes us more aware of the finiteness of life and, and helps our priorities be in perspective. I mean, I, I'm not the best at priorities. I mean, I easily get back into those same patterns, but it's good for us to have to wrestle with that. I know probably many of the listeners are feeling that too in their life right now. They're probably also experiencing a range of feelings or emotions doing whatever they're doing, whether they're washing dishes or pushing a stroller or whatever it is that people do when they're listening to podcasts. But so many of us, while we have these feelings, we experience them so frequently, Mm -hmm. we struggle to relate to what we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important for us to learn how to do that? I think the first reason that it's really important for us to do that is because God created us as feeling beings. And so we're created in his image. And as his image bearers, he's given us emotions. 
this can't be understated because I think for so much of my life, I lived thinking that if I could just overcome my emotions, right, then I would be, you know, like walking in righteousness or something. But I love what you said. It's like we are created in the image of God and he made us mm-hmm. to experience emotion. Like this is a way that we image God. Right. God created us to feel. And so to ignore our feelings or to stuff them or to pretend like they don't exist or on the flip side, to give full vent to them, like that they control us, is to neglect the fact that God controls us and he's given us emotions. So we are obligated to figure out a way to be in touch with them in some capacity and to not stuff them. But we're also obligated to help to humble ourselves before him and to submit those emotions to him. Yes. And so I think there's two, there's usually two camps when it comes to emotions where people either feel like they can't control their emotions because that's just who they are. Right. Or people think that to feel anything deeply is to, to not trust the Lord. Yeah. And both of those are error mm-hmm. and both of those need to come under the instruction of the word of God that tells us how to live and how to process our emotions. I think the primary thing though, is you were created to feel. And so you're not living fully as an image bearer if you don't feel. This personally has been something that I've been navigating through. If the listeners go back and listen to episode six, we talked about relating to emotions. And I confessed in that episode that I have a really hard time just acknowledging my emotions. I think it's a really common thing, particularly for people who are navigating difficult situations in life. Like I was a military spouse at the time and granted it was hard for me to relate to my emotions like in general before becoming a military spouse. But I've met a lot of military spouses who instead of feeling the reality of their husband being gone, you know, Mm -hmm. for months at a time, the way by which they survive is to shut down. Right. It's so amazing to me, Courtney, to see how the Lord has really refined me and worked this out in me. And I only acknowledge that because Probably a year ago, I met a girl who started listening to my podcast, and then we were in Bible study together, actually both stationed at the same uh, duty station in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And she told me, she came up to me, I don't think she listened to episode six, because she said, you are such a crier. And I was like, wow, blessed be the Lord that like (laughs) you would think that I am like such an emotional being. Um, And it just shows that the Lord really has just in his kindness been working this out in me over the last couple of years. So I just want to say I relate to both camps, but I think a lot of times when I'm experiencing emotion, I struggle with feeling like God cares about what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. So does God really care about our feelings? And if so, how do we know that he cares? Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. 
If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. Yeah, so I think the primary way that we know that he cares about how we feel is that the Psalms are filled with feelers. Yeah. The Psalms are filled with people who feel and who are expressing really, really real anguish to the Lord and their difficulty. And so I think we can trust that God cares because he is has put in Holy Scripture that is inspired by him, the feelings of others that in many ways can be our own prayers back to the Lord. I think you think of I think it's Psalm 77. It says, when I remember God, I moan. Mm. And that's a feeling of deep anguish. Like, so recounting everything that God has done and to be in such distress, to look at your circumstances and to say, but when I remember God, I moan, because that's acknowledging that God has put you there and you're in such distress that to remember him just causes deep anguish in your heart. And this is a psalmist yeah, who's in the Bible saying those things. And then, I mean, Psalm 88 is talking about completely being forgotten. And like Psalm 31 is talking about all the grief and then crying all night long. And Psalm 13 is speaking of the feelings of anxiety and how it just affects your whole body. And Hmm. I think sometimes we have failed to see the raw language in the Psalms. Yeah. That's actually talking about real life experiences. These are human beings who lived and lived so far, like thousands of years ago, which in many ways shows us that our feelings are not uncommon, even though they might feel incredibly lonely and isolating, that we're not the first or the last people who've experienced these things. Yeah. And so God cares because he cared about the psalmist and you're part of that. You're a part of that family of faith. And so you can trust that he does care about how you feel. And so Psalm 46 talks about how he's a very present help in times of trouble. Mm -hmm. So we can bank on those promises that he cares, that he's present, that he's near, that he hears. And we can express how we feel back to him. Because honestly, I mean, we can talk about how we feel all day long to our friends, but they can't do Mm -hmm. a thing about it. Mm -hmm. But the Lord can. And so he's the one we should be going to first and foremost with our feelings. Yeah, absolutely. And I struggle with that. And I think knowing that he cares... And remembering that, like you said, because not only is there Psalms, there's also an entire book, Lamentations, like, and then you just see feelings, whether positive or, you know, what we might consider negative, like you see them all throughout the text. And so it's really interesting even just to read with that lens and to ask him to give us eyes to see those things as we're reading through the Gospels, for example, or things like that. Like, I think that would be a really interesting thing to look for as you're going through scripture. And I'm really grateful for your encouragement to go back there. When I was maybe more prone toward suppressing my feelings, mm-hmm. I think that it was because I saw kind of something that I felt like was dangerous, where people would inform their faith based on their feelings, right? Yeah. And this is like high school, college, et cetera. But like, if you didn't feel near to the Lord, mm-hmm. or if you didn't feel a certain way, like when you opened up your Bible, it was like, everything they did was based on their feelings. And so I started to kind of like see that and maybe suppress it. We see the danger in that, but what would it look like for (laughs) us to feel Christianity in a way that is biblically grounded, like you're encouraging us towards? 
Yeah. So I think that's the danger is that we let our feelings dictate truth and what's real. And so even sometimes the psalmists are speaking in ways that are solidarity for us. So Psalm 88 is a lot of solidarity for us, Hmm. but it's actually not true that no one is with you uh, or that everyone has shunned you because the Lord never shuns his people. Right. So he never turns his back on us completely because of what Christ has accomplished. And so I think the thing that we have to hold in tension is that we live in in between Christ's first coming and a second coming. And so yeah. we're going to feel a wide range of things and we don't have sanctified feelings, a fully sanctified feelings. Yeah. So we, we are in the process of sanctification. We are always growing and becoming more like Christ, but we are not going to be fully like Christ in this life. One day we will be. And so I think that to feel as a Christian is to acknowledge that we are sometimes going to get it wrong. And we are sometimes going to think untrue things about the Lord because our feelings are not determinative of reality. And so we might feel that he's forgotten us, but mm. it's not true that he's forgotten us. Cause I think when you think of like Psalm 22, Jesus yeah. cried it out on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's verbatim Psalm 22. Wow. And as a Christian, we know that because the father turned his face away from the son on the cross, that he will never turn his face away from us. Mm. And so to feel Christian is to say, I feel like you're not here. Mm-hmm. But you have to go back to the promises of what you know to be true because we have the full canon of scripture that tells us what we know to be true. And so I think we're always holding this tension. Yeah. And I do it. I mean, I have to do it regularly because I feel things deeply. Right. And going back to these, like John 14, I will not leave you as orphans. I have the Holy Spirit. And so he has come, he indwells me, and he will never leave me. And so while I feel like the Lord is not here, I have these other promises in the word that tell me that cannot be true. Yeah. And that I might not feel anything different. I might live in Psalm 88 of it ends in darkness and there's no restoration at the end. I might live there, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that my reality is a true reality. And so I think we're always battling those two things when we're fighting for faith. Yeah. I love how you are talking about how the Bible informs your feelings. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to talk about that just a little bit more, maybe for somebody who's like, okay, well, that's awesome that you knew to go to John 14 in that moment, but like, I don't know where to go. Like, what did the process of you learning kind of where to go in scripture when you're having these overwhelming emotions and you really want to anchor yourself in the truth, but you just don't know where to turn. What did learning that look like for you? So I think, I think I heard Tim Keller say this recently. I was listening to something that he did and he was talking about how the steady diet of the word is what will sustain a believer over the long haul. And so you might think that the deposits of the word in your life right now are not mattering. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they're making a difference, but over the course of five, 10, 15, 20 years, these things will come to mind because you have been taking in the word. And really it's the truth of Psalm one, which says, if you meditate on God's word day and night, you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water yeah. that you will bear fruit. And sometimes that fruit bearing takes a very, very long time. And so I know that's not always in com- a comforting and encouraging and super practical thing to tell somebody, right? but a steady diet of tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next yeah. day, taking in the scriptures and over time, God's word will plant itself deep in your soul so that when the storm comes, you're not blown over because your roots are deep in the word. And I think that can be 
it just seems so like trite. I think to say, well, you need to stay in the word, but it it's living and active. And so it will bear fruit in your life. And I, and I say this as like, I talk about this in the book is that I kind of lived like in two different worlds. So when my twins were first born, I spent like the first six or seven months of their life not in the word. I love this part of your book. I love this I part don't, of your book. And, and, I, and I saw it. Like, I lived it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I honestly, like, I tell this story to every, like, every baby shower whenever they're like, what advice do you give to a new mom? I'm like, don't stop reading the Bible. Yes. And I'm not saying you spend, like, an hour in the word. I'm saying, like, if you're feeding the baby, like, listen to Feed a sermon. yourself. Yes. You know? Like, or when you're, like, if you're dry, blow drying your hair, like read one chapter or five verses. Like I'm like, so just like make it a habit so that it's, you're getting something. I did nothing. And I binge watched parenthood in the middle of the night for night feedings. <laughs> and so you can imagine the fruit that that bore in my life. It was not good fruit. I did that during deployment. So I know. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's these things where you get in your head. I can't do that. I thought I have twins yeah. who were born prematurely and I'm at the hospital all the time. And yeah. then when they came home, they didn't sleep. I thought, yeah, that's for people who don't have twins, not right. me. And everyone has their excuse. And I saw a difference in my third, my third son and then my fourth son where I took in what I could. And I'm not saying I never watched a show while I nursed, but I at least... There's a pattern. I had a pattern and there was a difference. And so I'm in a season of life where I can spend more time studying the Bible. And I've been in seasons of life where I can't, but that does bear fruit. And I will say with, I taught a Bible study through John last year. So not every book in the Bible comes to me as readily. (laughs) Yeah. I love how you mentioned that. And I also just want to say that if you feel like you're failing in this area, you don't have to wait till you figure out a plan to get it all together to start. Right, right. Because I read your book, you were describing this, this dichotomy between the mom who wasn't in the word and how she responded to stuff, which by the way, I had no idea that was you. And you're like, you probably figured <laughs> it out by now. I'm like, no, actually, total surprise. <laughs> and then you describe, you know, the difference between when you are in the word And I felt convicted because even like with what I do, I'm preparing for conversations and things like that, reading people's books, and they're all about scripture. And obviously, I'm in a season where I don't have a ton of time, like three kids, five and under. And so I can neglect the word because I feel like I'm filling up with good things. But Mm -hmm. oftentimes I will do that to the detriment of not spending time in the word. And I felt conviction. And you know what I did? I wanted to feel that conviction and push it aside and finish reading what I needed to read in preparation for our conversation right now. (laughs) And I instead said, okay, God, I feel convicted, which is great because your whole book is basically like taking you through scripture. So I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) chapter, you know, chapter one right here, we're going to Psalm one and then bust out the Bible and just say, you know what? I'm not going to to continue in this pattern just because I feel like a failure because I've got that yeah. all or nothing personality and I don't know if anybody else out there has that but I just want to say you can look away from social media or turn off this podcast right now mm-hmm. and get in the word and you're yeah. going to be blessed for doing that so yeah As we do that, we obviously grow in our understanding of who God is, right? The word is his primary means by which we've been given to know God. That's why it's so important that we're saturating ourselves in it Uh on a daily basis because we are a forgetful people. You look through the Bible, the storyline of scripture, and like the times that we're messing up are because we're forgetting who God is and who we are in light of him. So 
how does growing in our understanding of who God is as we're reading the word actually move us to trust him? And how does it move us to worship? Yeah, I think that the natural overflow of our hearts will be worship as we spend time in the word. Yes. God created us to worship. And so because he created us in his image, he's the supreme being. He's over all things. He deserves worship. He desires worship. So the end result of our lives is worship. When you look at like the end of the Psalms, so some commentators call the last five Psalms an explosion of praise. Oh, Uh, yes, 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 yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all the heavens. Yes, and they are. They're building you towards that point. And so Psalm 1 begins with setting you up of what the blessed life looks like. And then it gives you the messy middle of lament and difficulty. And then it tells you what the whole point of life is, is that if you're rooted in God's word, as Psalm 1 tells us, then you will live the blessed life. And the blessed life is going to lead you to worship. It absolutely shapes you to worship the Lord because he is the only one to be praised and the only one to be worshiped. And so you will naturally worship Mm-hmm. whatever you spend the most time with. It's so true. So think about like, I know for myself, if I get really into a TV show and like start binge watching it, I get like obsessed with those people. And I like want to read about them and I want to know everything about them. And I want to know everything about the plot lines and I want to listen to every podcast about it. And that's a form of worship. And I've devoted so much time to them because yeah. I'm interested in them and I want to know them and I want to be near them and I want to know what happens. But as we spend time with the Lord who we were created for, then it's naturally going to spur our affections towards worshiping him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even as you say that, it's like just taking a real honest inventory of how you're investing your time. What does dinner time look like in your house? Is it a little chaotic and crazy like it is at mine? Let me tell you about Prep Dish and how they can help you simplify your evenings. You've probably heard us talk about Prep Dish in the past, and maybe you've thought, Man, I just don't have time to meal prep. But let me tell you, with Prep Dish, meal prepping for the whole week honestly takes just about one hour with their super fast plan and about two hours for the gluten-free, paleo, and low-carb meal plans. If you need a change in how you handle dinner time at your house, you have got to try Prep Dish. You'll serve up delicious meals that your family will love, like green chili burgers, Caesar salmon wraps, and apricot glazed chicken thighs. Right now, the founder, Allison, is offering our listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out prepdish.com forward slash journey for this great deal. Again, that's prepdish.com forward slash journey for your first two weeks free. One of my friends, she was texting me and asking me in light of all of this COVID stuff, how do I study the word? Like, I want to, I'm ready. And it was kind of what my response was actually really similar to what you said. I'm like, you know, it's just get a Bible reading plan and just start kind of chipping away at it. But really the method isn't as important as just Mm -hmm. the principle of getting in the word. So like, that's going to look different based on whatever season you're in and what circumstances you're navigating on a daily basis. But mm-hmm. let me tell you, we will find a way to log on to the internet and we, yeah. we've got to be that diligent about finding a way to get into the word. Absolutely. So our pastor is on Wednesday nights taking us through like how to be a Christian, how to walk with Jesus. And his first one, he just started doing it. He did it last week thinking about how to study the Bible. 
And he said, people often will say, like, I don't have time to do this. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just going to be frank with all of you. You do have time. Yeah. Because you find time to watch. He's like, because I find time. I find time to watch sports. I find time to waste time on the internet. Yeah. I find time. And he, I mean, he was being really honest about himself while also exhorting all of us to be like, we live in a very, we, we, we think we have no time, but we have time. We just fill it with other things. Yeah. And we do. I mean, we really do fill it with things that are, I mean, I have a thing on my phone that's supposed to, that tells me my screen time limit is up and ooh, I, often, ooh, ooh. I often surpass it. Like I often like hit the 15 more minutes thing or whatever. Yeah. So, and I get the weekly update every week and I'm like, oh man. Oh yeah. I don't even want to look at that thing. I'm like, <laughs> literally sad. I get that notification and I'm like, reject. <laughs> I know. And it's so sad. And I think, oh wow. I took a social media break in September. Uh-huh. And for the first time ever, it was like a whole month off. And it was so freeing because it made me realize, did I just pick up my phone and yeah. look at Instagram? I was doing a bunch of stats earlier just in preparation for a conversation on Bible reading. And the average person reads 200 to 250 words a minute. Mm-hmm. And supposedly it only takes less than 10 minutes a day to read through the Bible in a whole year. I can't remember how many hours it is to listen to the Bible, but even if you get like the dwell app and you're just listening. Or if you did four chapters a day and that one day of a break, like, so if you did it six days a week, four chapters a day, you would read it in, in over in less than a year. It's so great. So I think it feels unattainable. But then when we think about it like that, it's like, no, it's really not. And if you mess up, don't let it derail you. Just get back in whenever you can. Yeah. I love how you talked about, you know, how we're, imaging God and how when we're looking to him and remembering who he is and like meditating on his word, like how we are worshiping him. Mm-hmm. How does God use the feelings that we are experiencing as we're doing that, as we're going about our day to shape us into the image of Christ? Mm. I love this question because I think we don't often talk about the feelings of Christ and we see him as obviously the ultimate model of perfection. I mean, he was, he was perfect. He never sinned. He was fully God and fully man. And yeah. so to be fully human was that he felt the full weight of what it meant to be a broke a person living in a broken world. So he felt the weight of that, but also he was fully God. And so he was perfect and sanctified in everything that he did. But you see throughout the new Testament and the gospels, when he is interacting with people that he feels things, he has compassion. He, feels anger at those who abuse his, the temple and who he drives the night changers out and he weeps over the grave of Lazarus. Uh, and he is angered and moved over his death. And, and even on the cross, he feels the weight mm-hmm. of separation from God and bearing the weight of our sins. And then in the garden, he's deeply in anguish. And as he's waiting to be cruci- waiting for the people to come and take him to crucify him. And so to be shaped into the image of Christ is to be shaped by God, his word, to be shaped, to feel rightly, to feel like Christ felt so that he never once sinned in his anguish, but he took and directed his feelings back to the Lord, like God, the father. And I, what I love is that Jesus used the Psalms. He, he prayed the Psalms to the father mm-hmm. on the cross. And so I think that that's so comforting to believers is that we have words to say back to God in our distress and in our anguish. And we can be shaped into the image of Christ as we pray like Jesus prayed, as we ask him to make us more like Christ. So we're always going to be 
tainted by our sinfulness. And so we're never going to be truly good and angry. We're never going to be truly. It's always mixed. It's always mixed. But because we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, God is constantly making us new. Yeah. By making us new, he's not removing our feelings. He's instead shaping our feelings more into his image. And so we should not necessarily be feeling less as a Christian as we grow into Christ-likeness. We should be feeling, we should actually be feeling more um, and be shaped and, and, and be sinning hopefully less as we get older and grow in um, godliness. But we shouldn't be feeling any mm-hmm. less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I've said that many times on the podcast. Like I just feel more and more grieved by my sin. So maybe yeah. I'm sinning less, but I feel it all the more. Uh, right. And it totally makes me think of that song that we used to all sing. I don't know. It's like five, 10 years old now, but break my heart for what breaks yours. Yeah. I'm like, I think that's what that means that you describe yeah. that so beautifully. And yeah. yeah, I personally experienced such a range of feelings. I mean, I'm experiencing a range of feelings in regard to all the COVID-19 stuff. Yeah. Sometimes like I'm thinking the feelings that we're experiencing, I feel like the Lord uses them to reveal things in me that he is wanting to draw out of me, you know, like in a good way, because he wants to make me look more like his son. So I was thinking so much about like first Peter, we're being tested, like we're being refined by fire that we might be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, man, that's an encouragement to me as I am feeling kind of this range of emotions and seeing really a lot of my sin that the Lord will not neglect to finish the work that he began in me. Like he will see it through to its completion. So it's really encouraging the broad array of ways that he uses feelings in our life just to help us look to him. I think one way he also uses feelings is to help us look to others, right? Like even as we were talking about like break our heart for what breaks yours, looking at the way Jesus was moved for Uh um, those who are vulnerable, those who are hurting, those who had lived really like broken lives. How does God use our feelings? Like we said, you know, we're hopefully learning to feel more and more like him that our hearts are breaking for what breaks his like mm-hmm. how does he use our feelings to help us actually relate to and minister to other people i mean i think people who've walked through suffering so i imagine you would feel the same way if someone was walking through being displaced or like you felt with military spouses mm-hmm. is that that binds you to other people and so they don't necessarily have to have walked yes. through specific things but there's one of the things that I've noticed in um, in walking through trauma and near death and and things like that is that um, and even walking through miscarriage is that I I now have met people who like there's this kinship with them yeah when we talk about like near death type things where we are able to understand one another and we're bound to one another because we've felt it and we've tasted it and we have dealt with that difficulty yeah. And while we didn't walk through it together, we know what it feels like. And so we, the Lord in his kindness, he's made us as community craving people. And, and even when you look at the Psalms, there, there's always a corporate element to many of them where a personal deliverance is let all Israel say, praise the Lord at the end. Hmm. And so we're never delivered 
for ourselves in isolation, we're delivered so that we can then tell everyone else what God has done and tell everyone else how he has saved our soul and so tell everyone else how he's done all these wonderful works for us. And it makes me think of Second Corinthians, I think it's Second Corinthians one or two, where it talks about that we've been comforted with by the Lord so that we can then turn and comfort others. Suffering can do one of two things for someone. It can either turn them totally insular and make them not want to look outward. But I think if the Holy Spirit is is working in you as a believer, suffering should then take you and force you outward mm-hmm. because it's never wasted. It's never for nothing. It's yeah. always that God gets the glory so that someone can look at your life and say, I have no idea how that person is still standing yeah. except for the grace of God. And then you can minister that comfort to others. And you can look at someone who is like, all they see is darkness and all they see is bleakness. Yep. And, and they, they don't see how God's going to take them out of that. And you can say, I, I can see because I've been there and I've, I've walked to the other side. Yeah. And so I think that's the primary way God uses suffering in our life as he binds us to other people. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to somebody last week who's in Italy and they were quarantined. Now we're quarantined. I don't think that's the proper term. <laughs> now we are social distancing too, but they couldn't leave their house. You know, she was talking about how community and things like that has been difficult over there. Um, just like finding that sense of community, if you will, and I was like, you know, I just am really intrigued to see how this shared suffering binds you together with the other believers who are in your context. Even though you're not together in it, mm-hmm. you are communally experiencing it, mm-hmm. even at a distance. And so I wonder that too, uh, even for us. And I'm really praying that the Lord will give us just opportunities, like you're saying, to move toward others, even though we can't do that because we're social distancing. <laughs> I know. We the word in 2020, I feel like. Uh, but truly, this whole series, we're talking about theology and practice. And actually, right after your episodes are going to come, just a host of episodes on what it looks like for us to meet others uh, with the hope of the gospel. So as we sympathize with people who are experiencing a range of feelings, I feel like this happens all the time when women are meeting together with other women, which God bless. That's like what we want everybody to be doing is meeting with other women in their local context. How can we sympathize with them as we're processing our feelings in a way that points them to the gospel? One of the things that's so easy is to become like Job's friends. Yeah. So when someone is telling us what is going on in their life and we just, we want so badly to just fix it or totally find an answer. And so the first thing I would tell someone to sympathize with women in their context, when someone is sharing with them, their emotions is to just listen and to not necessarily provide a quick fix or to correct them, to try to point them towards something that maybe they, that you might think is better. Uh, so that's why I think the Psalms can really help us understand the full range of human emotion is that someone might be sharing with you that they're in deep darkness and despair and they don't see how God is working uh-huh. and they might be living through Psalm 88. And I think in that context, you can take them to Psalm 88 and say, you're not the first person who's felt this way, mm. that you're not the first person who feels like you are in a lack of resolution and that God has not answered in the way that he, he seems silent. And Psalm 88 is so confusing to so many people because it's like no trust at the end. That's so weird. But that's sometimes where we live. And so taking them to those places, if they're in that context or if they are trying to deal with, I mean, the Psalms can just really help us help people in that as we listen to people's difficulties and their sufferings and we're trying to sympathize with them, we can point them to other people who have felt similar things. 
and that they're helping them see they're not alone. Yes. I love that. And I love doing that with the truth because so often we want to do that, like the hashtag solidarity, but we're wanting to kind of ruminate on the negative feelings in an unhelpful way. So that is such an encouragement. Let's just go to it. Courtney, I mean, you were just hitting it on the head. It's like, we got to know our Bible so that we can minister to other women. Like we want to know our Bibles, obviously, because we want to know God and we love God. And then like the beautiful thing about all of that is it's such productive time. I feel like so many of us are trying to figure out all these ways to like meet other people and understand other people. And I'm like, there's really no better way to do it than to get into your Bible. And it's just wonderful how the Lord uses that to draw us to himself Mm -hmm. and then also to propel us into ministry, meeting other people with the hope of the gospel in their everyday life. It's such productive time. You know, I want to do that more and more with my own kids because I feel like that's something that I just really struggle with personally. So do you have any tips for those of us who are in discipleship relationships, who have kids, who are just working through things with our spouses, our friends, etc., as we're wanting to like help each other in knowing how to relate to and express our emotions? This this might not be helpful for everybody but I have like a running list on my phone of like verses that are helpful like in a pinch like not in a pinch but you know like a psalm that really speaks to these types of things but I think if we want to be better ministers of the word where it's not going to come without being in the word Mm -hmm. and and so I think that whether we're ministering to our children through talking about the bible with them and one of the things I started even doing with my kids is occasionally I'll say do you want to know what mommy read my Bible today? Cause they don't see me read my Bible. And so I want them to know that I do it. But then with my husband, it, it, we just kind of have like running conversations in this whole stage of like COVID-19 where we're not able to really talk to people. Right. Uh, I was just even thinking today because some of these new recommendations have come out in the week that we're talking uh, that we are potentially not going to be meeting with each other for a longer time than we thought. And yeah. so I was thinking, oh, my Sunday school class, like I'm not going to get to see them. And we had this text message thread with these women and we we talk about all manner of things. But I thought, what if we just every day, either if you have something that you that God taught you today or that you were thankful for today or a prayer request, like try to share those things with each other so we can like mutually encourage one another because we can't see each other. And I have no idea by the time this airs if that will have worked or if I will have done it, but that's just <laughs> accountability, baby. <laughs> I know yeah, I said that loud on a podcast, but trying to think of just practical ways of yeah. seeing a friend or emailing a friend or trying to get together with them, like intentionality of trying to know them so that you can therefore minister the word to them. You can't minister the word to somebody you don't know. You can't minister the word if you don't know the word. As I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking what a help it is for us to be exposed to people who actually know how to process their emotions. And I think that was when I first realized, man, I don't really know how to do this. When I was around someone who knew how to appropriately express and how to process their emotion and how to hold that to scripture and how to like use it as an opportunity to testify to God's faithfulness, like you're saying the Psalms do. And then I'm like, man, I don't know how to do that. 
Right. The most helpful thing for me was to see them do that. And I think as we're navigating life, like you're saying, with all the realities of whatever it is that we're facing, COVID-19 or parenting struggles or just the day-to-day stuff, Mm -hmm. we take those opportunities to engage on that level with each other. And that's where we're going to be teaching. And you're you're teaching me right now, Courtney, it's such a blessing and a gift. So it's just really encouraging that, um, yeah, this is just not wasted. Those feelings are not wasted. The Lord is using them and that's an investment. And like you said, we're going to get to, by his grace, get to comfort one another with the comfort that we know from him. We can only know it if we invest that time in talking with him, like you're just describing. Oh, it's so great. Okay. Well, this is practical. We may have already hit this, but one of the things I'm asking every guest in this series is like, what's the next step for people Mm -hmm. listening who just want to put into practice what we've talked about today? This is called theology and practice. So I'm just going to throw something in there. Sorry. I feel like I'm offering way too much advice on this episode. No, but this is so good. This is helpful advice for me. Let me just pub your book because if you don't know what you're doing when you're studying and you want to know more, particularly about a, a book of the Bible that helps you to know how to navigate your feelings. If you're experiencing a ton of feelings, I cannot think of a more scripture rich book because Courtney, I don't know what you would call it. It's almost like a, a commentary on the Psalms. So you're encouraged to go to the word mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, to read Courtney's writing and her kind of exposition on what the Psalm is saying, and then even given an opportunity to journal and stuff like that. So this is a super great resource. If you just need like, let's just, let's just go one practical step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a great one. So what do you have? Yeah, of course, I would be like, sure, get my book and read it. That would be so practical. I would love that. Um, it's a real blessing, though. It's a real blessing, friend. Like, thank you for, for writing it for us. I really did enjoy writing it. It was personally beneficial to me. And so I, yeah. if people grow to love God's word more because of it, then I would just be so, so thankful. So if someone grows to love uh, the Psalms more and studying, that would be great. So if you do have the book or if you don't have the book and you want to get into the Psalms, I think a practical next step is to pray the Psalms. I was just speaking at a at a retreat a few week, a few days ago. Okay. And kind of like you, I was I was spending more time prepping and less time thinking uh, and less time worshiping. Reading the Bible. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was. And so the prepping can be an act of worship, but there is a point where we take it too far. <laughs> right. And I really sensed that I was spending too much time yeah. just making sure I was too prepared. And so I, this is in the beginning of some of this COVID-19 stuff. And I kind of felt a little angsty because I had traveled and I, in hindsight, I'm like, well, should we have or not? We didn't know. And yeah. so I got out the Psalms again, because I tend to do that in those instances. And so I was reading and I was praying them back to the Lord. I've been spending more time Amen. as I've gone back to the Psalms race yes. recently of actually praying them. And so uh, deliver me from hmm. whatever I want to be delivered from or asking the Lord to work in my kids' lives, because as I'm reading the Psalms, or asking the Lord to work in my husband's life or lives of friends. Yeah. So in another resource that's helpful in kind of praying God's word is uh, Dr. Don Whitney from Southern Seminary. He has, I don't remember if it's in his spiritual disciplines book or if he actually has a book on praying the Bible, uh, but he talked, I learned it in a class. That yeah, he does have it in his spiritual disciplines book. I found that book so helpful. And you know what? It tethers in so much to scripture memory too. It does, um, yeah. And so it's just really cool to hear him talk through like uh, the correlation between Bible intake prayer and scripture memory. Right. You got to check it yeah. out. 
It's good. It's good. It's good. So in addition to my book, you can get Dr. Whitney's book. So <laughs> great alongside with the Psalms. But so, all you really need is the Psalms and you got it right there in your Bible. Right. Yep, you don't need any other resource. That's one of my simple joys is, yes, resources are great, but the Bible's all we need. Uh, but I'd love to hear, what are three of your simple joys? One of them is my my youngest son. So Ben, my youngest okay. son, um, has a speech delay. And so he did not say a lot of coherent words for a really long time. Oh. And he's been in speech therapy since okay. for about like seven or eight months now. And he's now talking in sentences. Oh, bless the Lord. Yeah. So he's able to like request things and he has this little personality. Like he always had a personality, but he was just so unable to communicate. Yeah. That had to be challenging too. Just for parenting. And so he, just hearing him talk and like tell me things and try to enter. And he's the youngest of four. And so he just always wants to be a part of the action. So So to hear him try to be a part of that has just been such a delight to me because he couldn't talk. So my second one is we're in the middle of obviously the coronavirus. And so my kids are home more. So I've been enjoying that, but I've also been enjoying kind of the slower pace of life. Yes. Along with that. Um, so my Me husband too. and I both really like, we're probably the only people who like this, but we both really enjoy watching politics. Like, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's someone we like or don't like, we yes. just like it. We particularly enjoy people we don't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we like them all. So we don't, we just, so we were really into primary season. And so yes. we enjoyed that. And then um, I live in the South. So I like the warmer weather and I've been enjoying running in the warmer weather. But you don't live <gasps> oh, in the yeah. South. So I know. I read that you are getting into running after having your yeah, kids. And I, I really aspire to run, but there's still snow on the ground, Courtney. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hello, so, April. <laughs> I, I don't have the constitution for for colder weather. I'm not made for it. Uh, so, I didn't think I did either. But you know what? The Lord prepares you for what he has prepared for you. And he prepared me by giving us a 40% off discount to Patagonia when Brooks was in the special nice. <laughs> special operations That's community. Nice. <laughs> wow that's, we that's, say that's the gear nice. is everything so that is that's what i hear yes yes well i love those uh i do love the warm weather and i miss it and i love arkansas woo pig yeah. uh, <laughs> i did i went to fayetteville okay. uh, yeah. i went to university of arkansas in fayetteville Yes, that's how you know my friend. Yes, exactly. Shout out, Rachel. Love ya. Hi, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, you know, it's been so fun to hear from you. And it's obvious that you've had other people pour into you uh, just because, you know, at such a young age, you God's really given you such wisdom. And it's really cool to see that. I know I'm not puffing you up. It's all by his grace. That's why I asked the question, who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus? So one of the things I've been struck by now that I'm a parent is how much my parents influenced me. Yeah. So I would probably, so my parents, I, I mean, the stuff that we have available to us for kids now is, is crazy. Yes, I mean, it is. It our is too much. Our parents not have that. Yeah. Um, and now my kids are in public school and I grew up in public school and I remember so distinctly being weird. And now that like weird, that weird family. And so I'm like, <laughs> I just, there's so much that I, as, as my, my kids are getting older, I am so thankful for the foundation that they laid for us and for the legacy of, of faith that they established for us. And that so many people grow into adulthood without that foundation. I would not be here if it wasn't for the fact that my parents taught me the gospel. And so I think 
like everyone else just built on that foundation. Like even like my husband has yeah. been incredibly as just as we walk through life and suffering together, um, there's no one who's been by my side more. And so obviously as an adult, he's been the one that's been, I mean, we've walked through a lot together and the Lord has shaped us together and grown us together. And I'm thankful for that, but none of that would even be possible if my parents had not first shaped me. And so I feel like they're the ones who've probably shaped me the most. That foundation is so important. So yeah, well, bless the Lord. That's such an encouragement to me as a mom of young littles. And it's so just really wonderful um, to get to chat with you today. I mean, you've had an impact on my journey with Jesus in just this short hour. And um, I'm really, really thankful uh, for your willingness to come and share on such an important topic, particularly given these times. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. Man, we pray this conversation with Courtney is a help to you as you navigate your feelings in the same way that it was for us. As always, we encourage you to discuss what you're learning with people who really know and love you, even if you have to do that over Zoom or FaceTime while you're practicing social distancing during these COVID-19 times. You can find discussion questions and everything else you need in this episode's show notes over on our website at journeywomenpodcast.com. If you want to discuss the topic of feelings with us throughout the week, be sure to find us on socials at journeywomenpodcast. Today's episode was edited by Christine from christinebrant.info. We are so grateful for her and for you. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. We can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.